0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. The Longtime Writer Show. I'm your host, Linda Kozar, and today we're going to be talking to the author of If I Were a Tiger. It's a whimsical and playful rhyming picture book about a young boy who imagines himself as a tiger to overcome his fears, only to realize that he can trust in God. Our guest today is Carolyn Coleman. Caroline Coleman. And she loves to write for all ages. She has a fiction MFA from Brooklyn College, an English degree from Princeton, and two law degrees she says she doesn't use anymore. She's also the author of the novel Loving Soren. She lives in New York City with her family and is no longer afraid of the dark. But I am, so we'll talk about that. <laughs> um, I'm. I also. I want to read before I intro- before I call you on um, Caroline. Um, I want to read your long bio too because I, you know, it's so impressive. I just love it. Uh, her, her first novel, Loving Soren, um, tells the true story of the woman who loved Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish father of existentialism. Her short fiction has been published by Ms. Magazine Online, and her articles have appeared in Epiphany Magazine, Writers' Digest Magazine, and World Magazine. She has spoken regularly on the radio and in venues ranging from the English Speaking Union, Redeemer Church Writers Group, Pure Women's Conference, and the Glorietta Christian Writers Conference, which I remember so well. Um, She has a fiction MFA from Brooklyn College, English degree from Princeton, law degrees from Oxford, and Columbia Law School. She currently teaches English literature as an adjunct to the English department at Hunter College in New York City. She has worked as a litigation associate at Davis Polk in Mordwell, um, a consultant to the legal department at Morgan Stanley, and clerked for a federal district judge in the Southern District of New York. She served as part-time in-house counsel at Plasma Physics Corp., her father's physics company, and lives in New York City with her fabulous family. Welcome to the show, Caroline. (laughs)
0: Thank you, Linda. I don't even know where you got all that, but
1: it's so hard though, you know, when, um, when someone reads your bio, cause it's like, is that me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just, well, I, don't, I always joke. <laughs> well, you rack up so much stuff and you forget about a lot of it, you know, but, um, uh, but you've done a That's lot true. in your life, you know, it's impressive. It's impressive, but oh, um, what aspect of your life has fulfilled you the most so far?
0: Um, that's a really good question. You mean other than 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 children and family? Um, well, it can be anything, uh, you know. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, on one level, it's always writing. Um, I guess on a much deeper level, though, the joy, the peace, the kind of the sense of everything being okay even when things are terrible is would be from jesus um
1: yes yeah yep that's true i mean it always goes back to um our foundation in christ so that's awesome well um thanks for being here today um to talk about your book if i were a tiger um and you you wrote this book um during the pandemic which i mean you bless your heart, you did something, you did something awesome during the pandemic. Uh, a lot of people were, were just not doing anything but being miserable. Uh, how did you, what drove you to the point of of writing this book, doing something creative in the midst of so much, I want to call it suffering, because I think it was for a lot of people.
0: It was, and I we were very blessed. We didn't I did I never got COVID. We we didn't lose, you know, uh anyone to COVID in our family and so and we didn't lose our jobs. So I always start with that. So I was in a different position than a lot of people. And mm. um and I I also think too there, you know, there were a lot of people who had who were in that same position, but they had sort of an existential fear going on. They had the sense of, you know, the world is ending, what's going on. And I think that's also where the faith piece comes in, because you sort of have this sense of, okay, today, am I going to try and manage everything on my own, <laughs> which never works out well, or or am I just going to trust God today? And so yeah. I kind of leaned in. I leaned into that. And the first week of the pandemic, we got in our car and drove from the city out to Long Island. So that was another blessing too. I didn't I didn't have to be in a place where where you couldn't really leave your apartment or anything like that. Yeah. And so um, I thought, okay, God brings good out of bad. He never calls He never calls bad good, but he brings good out of it. So I just want to have a okay. uh, joy project. So the first week of the pandemic, I just sat in a comfy chair and I'm like, okay, forget about writing the great American novel, um, <laughs> which is what I usually, you know, pull my hair out trying to do. <laughs> And I was like, I'll just do some fun. And so I took out a piece of—I um, have a pad of like watercolor paper, which I love to write um, more intentionally on. It's—you can get watercolor paper for like ten dollars, and it's gorgeous. And you, I took a lovely pen, and I just started playing with um, uh, that line from the Blake poem that I love: "Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest of the night." And I just started playing with it. And I wrote, if I were a tiger, I'd stalk through the night and glare at the world with my moon and star sight. And that was where the the story came from. It kind of evolved. I went backwards from that. I went forwards from that. But it just came from from playing with a line from a poem,
1: which, you know, so easy to do. The tiger was your muse.
0: Yeah. And and William (laughs) lake, you know, there's. <laughs> There's yeah. so many beautiful writers in the world, and um, yeah. it's very easy to think you have to reinvent the wheel. But if you just sort of start with something that someone else has done and, and play, then you can, then you can riff on it.
1: Definitely, definitely. And was it uh, now? you sort of based this on your son too right with his um childhood fears. well
0: you know people are always like so luke was really afraid and i'm like no 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 it was really more that he wore that tiger costume for red bear he wore that thing day and night he wore it in the summer he wore it in the... he just loved his little tiger costume it was really cute like my daughter loved all her disney princess stuff and she would like oh, at age Three, she would totter around on those super dangerous plastic heels. The- and <laughs> uh,
1: but Luke was pretty consistent about the tiger costume. So yeah. <laughs> well, and but you know but there are the, a lot of- the anxiety,
0: the anxiety. I'll own that. I don't. I don't want to put that on my on my children. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs>
1: I know every child has fears. I remember I was, I guess I had seen Wizard of Oz, and then I was scared that a witch lived in my closet. I was just convinced that behind, you know, that panel, there's, you know, a panel where there are pipes behind it or something. I was just convinced <laughs> that the witch from the you Wizard know what? of Oz was I- living in there.
0: I actually think that that's a very legitimate fear of yours. I, really- <laughs> yeah. I think that the Wizard of Oz, like those monkeys, I think there were so many people terrorized by the flying they
1: monkeys. They were yeah. really and- scary. Well, and I think, too, if, if you're uh, a creative, especially as a child, you're going to be afraid of all different things because, you know, even the normal things are scary to you because you make up things in your mind. You know, so well, writer. that is true. I mean, yeah.
0: Luke, Luke was scared. I don't think he would mind me, me sharing this. He's a writer, too, now. He's a screenwriter. Okay. And um, Luke, we lived in, in our apartment in the city um, when he was young. It was on the 15th floor. And he was just terrified that aliens with suction cups were going to – I don't know why they couldn't fly, but aliens with suction cups were going to just... – we're gonna just walk their way up to the fifth floor and come into his room. So, children, you know, it's the bigger your imagination, the the more your you can um, you can have anxiety, whether it's as a child or as a grown well, up. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, and now I'm scared of something new: aliens with suction cups. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, and and children have the biggest imaginations. They are not limited by logic, um, and they just have the biggest imagination. So um, tell us a bit about the book.
0: Oh, you are so nice to ask. Um, Well, it's it's about, I I started with the line about the tiger and the whole If I Were a Tiger section, which now forms the middle of the book. And that was sort of my, my favorite part to write because I was just having fun imagining all the great, things you could do if you were a tiger and you weren't afraid of anything and you could laugh with all your teeth showing you know um you wouldn't you wouldn't be self-conscious you could just play you could you could really you could do whatever you want it's sort of this dream life and so i backed into why the the boy tim is imagining that as i was as i was writing it and i thought well he's afraid of all those things that he he could do without any anxiety if he were if he were um if he were a tiger um and so you know as always in a book uh you know i joke what i was what i was about to say when you read my bio is that i always joke is that it takes many 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 degrees um to write a book for children because it's <laughs> literally i know it's Hundred words. It's but I've never rewritten anything more in my life. You know, every single word. I can imagine? Written.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, used to be. Little... Keep going. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you. you well, keep I was going just gonna say, picture
0: books. Picture books used to be longer. If you think of like Eloise,
1: but now the sweet spot oh, yeah. is ap-
0: apparently just about five hundred words. You know, they really like it to be to be shorter.
1: Wow. And and you know, and that's sort of um distilling so much in such a tiny amount. You know?
0: I yeah, mean, and I, I can't harder. I can't draw. Um, I'm not very good at drawing and I uh people who are author illustrators are they're able to do so much in a picture book because they can they can on their own do that beautiful interplay between the the images and the words. And they can have the words say one thing, and then they have the images say a different thing. They can do anything they want. And so when you can only do the words, you, I think of it as kind of writing a play. Um, When you write a play, you have no idea what the actors are going to do with it. You don't know what the producer, what the director, and you really just give up control. And that's the fun of it because then you see what other people can do with, with their imagination. Um, and the illustrator was, was amazing. And she made up, you know, she made up a whole character, Lammy, who is on every page. She's Tim's little stuffed lamb. And he is literally my favorite part of the book now. And I have nothing to do with him.
1: <laughs> is it, you know, that's an interesting juxtaposition between the lamb and the tiger, you know, apex predator <laughs> and a lamb. So, I mean, that's kind of cool. He-
0: it's really cute, cool. and and what she did too, which is so cute, is that when Tim puts on a tiger costume, Lammy
1: is wearing a tiger costume. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
1: well, now that's cool because when we pray, we kind of, you know, we kind of become that, you know, going from a kitten to uh, the lion you know, like the Lion of God, you know, when we pray, we're, we're bigger than we are because we're covered by the blood. So that's cool too. I mean, that's just another layer. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So your character is Tim bone and with a big imagination as most kids have a big one. And um, so he's afraid of a lot of things. You said he's afraid of the moon and the wailing typhoon. Um, and he won't wear sneakers because he's afraid of hidden creatures. Uh, now, sometimes that's true, especially in the South, where um, you might see a roach come out of your shoe <laughs> or
0: something. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> or a spider, a giant wolf spider. But um, but yeah, those uh, those are things that kids can definitely identify with. And um, to tell us how he comes to his epiphany, his solution.
0: Well, I, I actually consulted with a psychiatrist after I wrote it and I said, you know, I, I told them the sort of the premise of the book and he said, yeah, absolutely. Kids will definitely pretend if they're afraid of something, they'll they'll try to become the thing that they're afraid of. And you see that phenomenon most clearly with bullies. And, um, and, of course, we all know that being a bully is not a very fulfilling career choice. And um, uh, the, what Tim starts to realize about being a tiger is that people would be afraid of him and that they would run away screaming. So even his parents and his friends, and he couldn't go to school. And he starts thinking about all the things that he actually does have in his life, which I think is part of Part of our epiphany when we come to God is this sense of there's this this ground note of despair in our lives. I mean that's a little much for for a child, but there's a sense that something is wrong and we can't fix it on our own and when we try it backfires. and so it's part, I think part of the epiphany is the journey that Tim goes on is where you start to realize, wait a minute, you know what putting on this costume and for grown-up it's sort of, you know, pretending to be something that you're not, which uh, we all do all the time. Uh, you know, that's not mm-hmm. fulfilling either because you want to be known. You want to be known as you are. And I think probably my favorite illustration in the book, I can I can say that because I have nothing to do with it, is when <laughs> Tim, Tim takes off the costume and you just see the costume lying there. And Nadia, um, who I don't think she's herself uh, – Christian, I, mean, I don't think she is, but she 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 got it. She has him kneeling in just a very simple yellow light, and the costume is taken off. You know those the false glittering images that we like to. You know I'm perfect, everything's great, I can do this, I can do that. You know, it's not true. We're all a hot mess. And he's just kneeling there, just simply saying, "God help me," and and he realizes that God can can give him courage and. You know, he'll still be afraid, uh, but he can keep going back to ask for help from God and also from his parents and his friends and 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 not think he has to
1: bottle it all up in himself. And to be okay with his genuine self. You yeah, know,
0: and that's, that's where the real. book lands, is that if he, if he were a tiger, the problem is he couldn't be himself.
1: Yeah. I, well, you know... Um, and if you think about the pandemic, too, um, during that time when families, a lot of families were home together and um, there were great positive things that came out of it, that families spent more time together. But we got to be our genuine selves, you know, not always in a, a mad dash, a mad race um, to work and do everything, you know, take the kids to all their games, soccer and whatever, Um to really be real and be a family, uh, for better or for worse. Sometimes, sometimes it didn't turn out well. But um, I think this is a it's a wonderful thing to come out of such uh, a sad time in our lives. Mm, thank you. Well um what was the hardest thing for you during that I mean like how long did it how long did it take from the beginning to the end of writing this book and the whole process the editing and everything Um
0: I think by the time Let's see. I'm not really sure. It's so hard to know when you're rewriting 600 words. Like on one level, it seems like it's just a short, yeah. short amount of time, but you, you have to rethink it. So my I have a wonderful agent, Alice at the Joy Harris Literary Agency, and she worked on it with me before we submitted it. Um, so that was already a few rounds of edits. And then, um, I mean, it really takes a village. I also, I belong to a... Um, well, I, I had joined it just before the pandemic, an online group called 12 by 12 um, mm-hmm. run by a woman named Julie Hudland, where it's all about writing picture books. You can, the goal is to write 12 picture books in 12 months and you can post wow. the whole, yeah, you can post the whole manuscript online and you get feedback and you're supposed to give feedback and it's really supportive, lovely community of Barry um, professional picture book writers uh, many of whom are published you know have multiple books published and so i think i actually i posted it there first so i had multiple rounds of edits from them then alice edited it and then um alice was able to sell it to bunmi Ishola at waterbrook press and then bunmi when bought it and then she and i went back
1: and forth about three rounds of edits um now now for the um the aspiring children's authors who might be listening today, um, could, could anyone join that if they were interested, the 12 by 12?
0: Yeah, I would totally recommend it. It's, um, they do have an opt-in period, which may or may not be closed. Um, it definitely starts January February, and I, I would recommend it to anybody. Um, I would also recommend if you want to write for children of any age to join SC. SCBWI, Society of Children Book Writers yeah. and Illustrators. Um, yeah. That's about $80 a year unless it's up unless uh, due to inflation. And that's really the professional organization to join for any kind of children's, children's
1: yes, writing. Yes, that's been around for a long time. And, um, you know, children's authors love it. And they have a conference every year too, right?
0: Mm-hmm. They have one in New York and they
1: have one in L.A., but they also have
0: regional chapters and a lot of digital content now,
1: too, so you don't have to fly to L.A. anymore. Okay, that's that's awesome. Thank you for that tip for some of our listeners who can definitely benefit from that. Now, you wrote a book. Gosh, our time, we only have 10 minutes left. Um, um, you wrote a book before this. Um, that was, you know, the the is it a love story with Soren Kierkegaard? Um or is it just the is it the story more of the woman who loved him?
0: So it's um it's uh, that one took me seven years to write from the I from the moment I got the idea to when it, it got published. And um oh, it, it's it's about the woman who loves Soren Kierkegaard, so it's a historical
1: novel. It's it's true. Um like historical fiction with elements of romance, maybe. Yeah, because
0: they, she was engaged to Kirkegaard um, when she was when she was young, and he dedicated you know most of his books to her. When he when he died, he left he left her stuff in his will, and I mean I don't want to give away the plot
1: too yeah. much,
0: but he was he was very much obsessed with her. He wrote he has a um a book called diary of a seducer which is sort of i i hope it's him riffing on his his sort of obsession with her because she was quite young when he first met her he's about i think he was about 10 years older and she was about 14 and he used to follow her from her piano lessons and i i mean I do think, as a as a novelist, who believes very strongly that fiction is fiction and that you're not being autobiographical, that he took the idea of an older man being obsessed with a younger younger woman and then sort of kind of playing with that because he is he was also a Christian, so he was sort of.
1: Well, people have to understand the historical um, context too, of uh, relationships back then. People did marry. Um, earlier right? and there and an age gap wasn't really considered that big a deal yeah you, you know I mean a girl could marry at 14 <laughs> and uh and you know people didn't live as long either um, yeah so he well, didn't but he <laughs> wasn't very much like context yeah, I, mean, cause I think people would you know frown on that definitely and you know it's just different back then
0: it is. I think Diary of a Seducer is more about being creepy, though. I mean, that's why it's called Diary of a Seducer. He really was kind of focusing on that aspect of it, not really the age gap. So um, that's why that's why I say I, I take it as more fictional than than autobiographical. But who knows?
1: Um, now, did when you uh, when you started writing? Um, it's it's so funny. It that's your that's your first book and and do you double think yourself a lot cuz I know gosh, most writers who write their first book um have to deal with just overthinking or you know just omitting whole chapters <laughs> just uh you know not really being sure where to go with certain things. Did any of that happen when you were writing cuz you said it took 7 years um and that's about right. Yeah, I,
0: um, some people I think are very good at plots and they can kind of sit down quietly and think and then write. I'm not that person. I have to, I, I figure out what it's about by writing. And Mm -hmm. so I wrote the whole thing and had an agent who tried to sell it. And after a year, um she, it was actually pretty funny. She got this huge buzz going, and I even sat next to somebody on the New York City subway who was, like, reading it. And then uh, for two weeks, everyone was super excited about it. And then they all got unexcited because they actually read it, and it was terrible. And so after a year, I said, thank you so much. And I took it back from her, and I didn't do anything with it for two years. And I went on um, the spiritual journey that was kind of the missing piece of the novel, which I didn't know until, until – um, I had kind of gone down that road and someone once asked me, where did you go? Like imagining I'd gone to India and I'm like, um, I went on my knees. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so I, I rewrote it. Um, I sold it to a wonderful editor named Gary Karashita at the Glorietta Christian Writer Conference. And he, he bought it based on the first two chapters, which is actually super um, unusual for fiction. Usually you have to, write the whole thing and I rewrote those. yeah I rewrote those chapters um specifically for him I've actually been thinking a lot recently about audience and how um audience changes the way you write and because I knew he was a believing Christian and he was at a Christian publisher Broadman and Holman um I Stopped trying to kind of like weave the Christianity into the novel as symbolism. And I was really out there with Regina's faith, with her doubt and her her prayers and um, her journey. Um,
1: And I think it made it a much, I'm not saying it's a good novel, but it made it a much better novel. You know, isn't the real writing begins, I think, in the rewrites. You know, mm-hmm. when, when you write something and then you put it aside and then you go back to it. Well, what happens to me is I'll say, oh, my gosh, what was I thinking? <laughs> or or I'm, I'm more willing to cut things or rewrite them totally. Oh, I see a different place Because I'm more of a pantser, too, you know, right by the seat of my pants. I, I plot probably maybe halfway through the book, but I pants it mm-hmm. in the beginning. And that's kind of fun. It's just, you know, you fall into one of those two categories, and it sounds like you're a pantser, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely.
0: Um, I, I yeah. love Stephen King saying that he'll write his character into the deepest, darkest corner he can possibly imagine, because then he has the <laughs> fun of trying to extricate him and write him, write him out of that problem situation.
1: Yeah, and it's fun for you too because you're not going to get bored knowing where you're going, you let your characters take you on that journey, which is yeah,
0: fun. Yeah, and I I do think it's true um that if you're bored as a writer, your reader is going to be like, you
1: know, oh, yes. <laughs> you're be bored and predictable. Brain. yeah, predictable. Like you don't want to be uh-huh. boring or predictable. So so yeah. I get that. <laughs> well, you know, we're yeah we're all i mean where did thirty minutes go? They're gone, but i wanted to um tell people where to find you um caroline coleman uh you can find her at caroline coleman c o l e m a n dot nine six nine on instagram or on facebook in fact you just we just became friends on instagram i saw um and you yeah. can find her at yeah. at, at Car- <laughs> caroline coleman um writer on Facebook. And are you on Twitter? Are you on Pinterest or any of those things?
0: Those? I I have a Twitter account. I think I have like three followers. And <laughs> I, no, don't, I, I, I don't really now.
1: tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but they can find you on, on social. Um, All they have to do is look for you They have your name And if I were a tiger Go out and buy this book for your children They will love it Thank you so much for being on the show today, Caroline Um, I look forward to your next book Um, You can come back on the show (laughs) Thanks, and I I look forward to reading your books They look awesome Oh, thank you so much (laughs) And um, let's talk on Instagram That sounds (laughs) lovely, thank you Thank you Have a great rest of your day Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening this Long the Long Table Writer.